Welcome to Farringdon Radio. This is Farringdon Local, our second episode here on farringdonradio.com. And thank you very much for all those people who have sent in comments, uh, wishing as well, hoping for success for the future, and passing on some interesting ideas to us, which we are developing. Um, I sit here sometimes and think about, will I find enough material to talk about and enough people who want to talk to me about the things that they're doing, their clubs, their organisations. And then as the days go by, I realise uh, it's not a case of do I have enough material, but do I actually have enough time to do it all? I'm Steve Dash from the Piano Gallery in Farringdon, and we do wish Farringdon Radio every success. Into today's programme, we'll be uh, got an interview with Adam Blackwell from Davies DIY, where, uh, as uh, many of you probably know by now, very sadly to hear that Davies DIY will be closing, uh, and be closing actually probably in about six weeks' time. Um, so it's very sad to hear, but we'll be chatting to Adam about that and the reasons for that. Also, if you managed to catch last week's show where we interviewed Stuart McDowell from the Farringdon Cricket Club, which basically was supposed to be about uh, their new cricket club and uh, what's developing up there. And uh, obviously within the middle of that, the issue that did arise from that interview was the new skate, or SK8, new Farringdon skate uh, park that's going to be developed up there. And so we managed to track down uh, two members of Farringdon Skate, and they've got some points of view which uh, they'd like to be able to express to us, and we've got a recorded interview with them. Also on today's show, I've been down to the new Bloor housing estate. Uh, obviously, some connections there again with the cricket club and the skate park because they've uh, partly been involved in the development of that. But I've been just chatting to them about their new housing development, which have uh, been going now for oh, maybe maybe two years, bit of a lull about 18 months ago. And then it's picked up again, and as you will hear in the interview, we're getting very close to finishing down there, really. Uh, moving to phase three shortly, and overall I think there's nearly f getting close to 400 homes that are going to be built down uh, Park Road behind the SO Petrol Station. We've got a, a short snip from an interview with Sean Sapstead from Farringdon Brewery. I chatted to Sean earlier this week. And uh, in fact, I got so much material uh, over 30 minutes, uh, what I call quite a very uh, interesting topic, really. And I decided in due course, I'm going to make a, a program in its own right, just about the Farringdon Brewery. But we'll be a little snippet from that interview in today's program. And we'll also be talking to, uh, I've got to get this name, got to pronounce it correctly. I think, I think in the interview, I got it wrong as well. It's Stuart Vocht. I hope I pronounced that correctly, who... Uh, Wears many hats in town, town crier, uh, Farringdon Peace Group, uh, the tennis club. Again, perhaps throwing us back up to uh, the new complex and the new development up um, Stanford Road there. But I'll be talking to Stuart to do with the mustard seed, which is now approaching to 25 years anniversary. And uh, how that's operating and uh, what that does for fair trade and for the town. But before we go to any of those uh, items, first we'll play our first piece of music. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on in the previous show, we'd very much encourage local bands to come forward in music they've got. Uh, I'm very keen to promote local bands in the area. Those of you who know me have uh, organised some events in town and uh, uh, local music's uh, very dear to my heart. So if you're out there and you're in a band and you've got some songs and you'd like us to play them, please do get in touch with us. Send us your MP3s and I'll uh, very happily play them on the show. The first song is by Both Feet Forward and this one's called I. Thank you. 
I'm David Parkerwillway from Parkerwillway Photography, and I like Farringdon Radio. That was Both Feet Forward with a song of theirs called I. Both Feet Forward been regular players in town over the past few years and been regular members of the 15 Minute Club. 15 Minute Club, which is every first Sunday of the month at the Red Lion pub in town. So if you want a, a good night out, hear a variety of music from local musicians singing their own stuff to cover bands and individuals and uh, the odd musician uh, magician has appeared as well and in the past they've had uh, poetry readings as well uh, people coming from not just from Farringdon but people come down from Oxford and Gloucester uh, and Swindon as well and even Bristol I think have even uh, people have popped in there to play a few songs if you want a good night come come down to the 15 minute club in Farringdon now, as mentioned earlier, and as uh, many of you are aware, reading Farringdon.org, that um, Davis DIY, after nearly 40 years in business in Farringdon, is going to be closing probably you know, probably less than six weeks' time now, which is very sad. I caught up with Adam Blackwell, who bought the business about four years ago, and uh, he'll be able to explain to us what's happening and uh, and why this sad decision had to be made. Okay, well, I'm uh, chatting here with Adam Blackwell from Davies DIY, uh, and Adam just interested to find out the, what dare I say, the shocking news for Farringdon about the uh, impending closure of Davies DIY. Could you just tell us the background behind that, please? Well, base, basically, the, the shop hasn't um, paid uh, my wife and I a salary for probably six months. Um, it doesn't pay anything towards my business mortgage at the moment. Hasn't paid anything towards my business mortgage for probably over six months. Mm-hmm. Um, only dribs and drabs. And uh, and I had to come to the conclusion: well, <clears throat> if something doesn't happen in Farringdon, am I going to be sat here for the next ten, twenty years? You know, waiting for yeah. something to happen. Uh, the other reason is is because I thought to myself: well, if business get any worse, which it could do. Um, I could sit here until the interest rate comes up, mm. uh, which it looks as if it is going to be going up. If that happens, then we wouldn't be able to pay our mortgage, and then we would default, mm. uh, and then lose the whole of the business, the whole of the building. Sorry. Sure. So obviously, yeah. the primary investment when we bought the place was the building, and then the business was the sort of secondary. Bit, so you are so the freeholder as well. Yeah, we're the freeholder you're as well. The free, I see. Yeah, yeah. And you, you bought the business what about four? Uh, f- just over four years ago. Okay. It was t- uh, November two thousand six when we bought when we bought it. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, obviously that was the main the main investment. You know, long term sort of pension plan. You know, sure. investment. Yeah. And then the business was supposedly income. Well, income hasn't worked out and. Uh, this is the decision we've had to make. Really. So, how long have you been sort of coming or thinking about this particular decision? Then, would you Probably say? Probably that year. Really, it's in all honesty, that, been that difficult. Yeah, it? Well, oh, we it's had a to. Real shame. Yeah, well, we had to scale down um, the shop in August two thousand and nine mm-hmm. when we when we let out the other the other part of the shop. Um, is that long ago? Is yes, it? it is. Yeah, it's two th- August two thousand nine. I thought it was last year. For uh, some reason, so it's eighteen yeah. months ago. My goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and obviously uh, that was sort of sort of our last shot at it, mm-hmm. really, um, to try and cut back the overheads. That was the reasoning for doing that. Um, uh, luckily, um, uh, with all the staff that we did have to let go. Um, but really, m- most of them went away not too bad, you know, not too bad because yeah. they all found jobs and things. Yeah. And uh, and I think, to be perfectly honest, I think it's worked out better for them in the in the long run. Mm. Um, and they all come in here still. So that's nice. Yeah. yeah well, it's always been a. I think that's the shocking aspect of it all. It, it's it's, it's one of the, <laughs> the the mainstays of Farringdon. And yes, yes, says, yeah. if there is a pulse of Farringdon, then this one that was. Is reflects it, and this business going is a is a very poor indicator, really. Well, it is, is yeah, it? because it's uh, it's been here for thirty six, no, sorry, thirty eight years. Uh, Nick has worked here for thirty six years, um, so he's very much a long termer. Mm. Um, yeah, so so um, it is very sad, but what we have to remember is we haven't had a rece- a recession or a depression, have whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, since the 1930s so yeah. you know it hasn't been as bad as this for a very long time and um, uh, the, the market has changed very much in the town I feel 
one thing is obviously now you've got to since this shop started uh, you've got a bypass here for a start mm-hmm. so you don't get the through traffic sure um, which in some ways obviously is a good thing in other, in other ways is a bad thing um, the uh, the parking is an issue within the town mm. um, you look at the the, the sort of success of say Whitney I think that's been based on free parking I yeah. think Farringdon does lose out on that and um, sadly we don't have a, 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 a supermarket that I feel that pulls in masses of people you did comment on on the Farringdon.org site that uh, you felt I mean there's obviously mixed feelings in town about the idea of supermarkets but you seem to come down in favour of we should be having a proper national established big name supermarket in town and that would be that would be beneficial you yes say. very very much so and uh, and um if you asked uh, my staff as well i think they'll all say especially nick you know as i say he's been here 36 years so he does know what he's talking about with the town commercially mm. um and uh, and i do thoroughly do believe that if we had one maybe two I th- I think think that that would do Farron a lot of good, sure. Because then it would try and hold some of the people in the town. So if they had done their main shop in Farringdon, they would be less bothered to go to Greenbridge and places like this. You see, yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> at the moment, I know what I know what a lot of the people do is that they go to uh, go to Swindon and they might go to Greenbridge first, go go around the shops there. And come back via Sainsbury's on the way home. Mm. I go to Wantage now with the, with the, with the Sainsbury's there. You look at you look at um, Wantage when that Sainsbury's opened there. There was a big downturn in the centre, and everyone said, "Oh dear, that's ter- this is all terrible." But now look at the place; it's absolutely buzzing. Virtually yeah. every shop has reopened. Got a Costa Coffee and all these various yeah, different things. Yeah, got nice shops there. It has, it's, a, yes. it's a different type of centre isn't it it is a different change has changed yeah Yeah. but there's there's no reason why Farringdon can't have something Mm. quite similar you know I I I, I feel I feel that everything virtually everyone from say Buckland up the 420 Buckland going uh, north go to Abingdon Mm. go go to the Tesco's there or the supermarkets there you see they don't come this way and uh, I think if we had a, a, a good supermarket as like an anchor shop in in Farringdon it would hoover up quite a few yeah, quite a few of the surrounding villages. Well, that's still under development anyway. It's not. It's still yeah. not written off, isn't it? But no, it's not what about yet. the? So, what are the actual plans then? What's has anything been set in motion yet? I mean, are you selling it as a trying to sell it as a business? No, or no, you... I'm not trying to sell it. I'm I'm just closing it down, and um, uh, because it's not viable to sell as a business. Sure. Uh, we're having to um sell it down, sell off all the stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are putting all the fast line, fast moving lines into the cook shop so mm-hmm. things like uh, light bulbs tubes some of the cleaning products bits and pieces that we don't compete with the supermarkets sure. and don't compete with the bargain center also the bargain center hasn't helped mm. in a lot of ways for trade for me um because that is owned by a wholesaler yeah i'm aware of that yeah. uh, it's owned yeah. by um, um bakers isn't bakers it? yes yeah. in uh, in in uh, whitney um, so their cost price is not my cost price. Mm. Um, very different situation. But the, the cookware shop, that will be staying, will it? Yes, for, that for will the, for the be staying. Yeah, the cookware shop will be staying yeah. and it will be having a few lines from here okay. in there. So hopefully that will help uh, the, help that as a shop and hopefully that will help our customers as well. You know, Try sure. and keep serving yeah. our customers. With and will this building... Therefore, just be sale as be a vacant, out. be rented out. Yeah, try and rent it out. Okay. Yeah. Have you got any, anything in line at the moment? Uh, yeah, there's there possibly, are... yeah, I've got tenants oh, in line for it. Oh, right. Oh, so, it's not yeah. going to be an empty shop then? No, 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 no. Well, that's no, nice no, to hear. No, no, that's no, nice no, to hear. No, no. And, and there possibly might be two, if not three, um, shops going in here. So. Uh, Oh right, two or three shops. Yes, what? Yeah. How, how do you get two or three shops? Because well, because like it's a little arcade, you mean? Or? Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, because it's such a a large sort of shop, and and the the, the structure of the shop, it can be split up quite easily. Right. Because there are actual fact three entrances into this sure. shop. There's the yeah. front, two round the back. There you see, going up the side there. So um, so there'll be trade going up Swan Lane as well. Well, as you can hear, uh, despite the very sad news about the closure of DIY, uh, Davies DIY, it's not 
100% doom and gloom. Obviously, uh, the cook shop, the cookware shop, is still going to be operating there. And as Adam said, they will be uh, are looking to develop the site into maybe a number of smaller shops that might be able to open down there and will perhaps give a different flavour to the town. No DIY shop, which is a great shame, but there are other opportunities still being developed. As I mentioned there, um, perhaps with Davies DIY closing, that's a bit of a, an indicator, a sort of financial pulse of the town as to what's happening. But on the other side of things, uh, looking to housing development, which unfortunately has been slow to develop in uh, uh, providing Adam and Davies DIY with some benefit, but there are there's a growing development down behind uh, the Esso petrol station, Bloor Homes, which I mentioned earlier, has been going for probably over well, quite a bit over two years now, and did have a lull for a while. Um, but it's picked up, and uh, I went down there and chatted to the two of the uh, the sales staff there, Gary and Debbie, who can give me a bit of, a bit more of a flavour and description of uh, what's happening down there and all the homes that are being built. Okay, I'm down here at uh, Bloor Homes off Park Road, chatting to Debbie Holt and uh, Gary Somerville, uh, the sales uh, managers of the of the sales home down here. Just interested how things are going, really. Obviously. We are in a, a recession. We're so. very positive with the sales at the moment, um, going extremely well. Um, you know, it has had an effect throughout the whole Barrington area, um, but we've been very successful with what we're achieving here. Okay. Um, to local people as well as people from outside the area coming down to um, the development to buy with us. Obviously, because of the schooling that we've got here in Barrington is sure. of excellence. Um, and still being on the border of like the Cotswold, people, you know, want that feel and the commute into Swindon and Oxford. So yeah, extremely well. How many homes, whether that's flats or houses or how many homes overall are you going to be developing? 398 in total. Okay. Um, 140 of those are affordable homes, which okay. are being dealt with through the um, Vale Housing and Sanctuary. Um, parts of those are being sold. Um, on a 50-50 scheme and mm -hmm. some of those being rented as well. Okay, and what's the percentage of flats to houses? Do you, do you um, I think we've only got about 15% of the, the total, total development that are going to be apartments. Great, okay. And there are a number of phases. What phase are we in now? We're in phase two, the latter part, going into phase three, hopefully for completions in July and August okay. this year. Um, and then we've got phase four coming available early part of 2012. And phase three, is that on the cricket ground? Yes, yeah. So when will you be starting building on the uh, current It hasn't ground? been actually, um, you know, uh, confirmed at the moment, but we are looking for this year to start on that. Right, okay, great. And you're also involved in developing the cricket ground up, up the road, the new one, or was that passed to somebody else to build, is it? Or Yeah, that, that, that was going to be done through um, uh, a private company, but we have they've actually asked us to do it now. So, so yeah, you're in the process the of doing that for them? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. And on the current cricket ground, how many homes will you build on that patch? Do you know? Um, off the top of our head, I um, haven't got the, the number at the moment, but I think there's going to be about um, 48 properties on yes. that part. Yeah. Yes. Detached yeah. semis and yeah. um, terrace selection. And phase Four will follow. Mm -hmm. Where will phase four go? What that will be at the, the top part of the development um, to the water, new cricket ground, and that will be four or five bedroom detached properties. So that will be, where's that in relation to the pond then? In the, the, pond, the park? It's, the pond in the park is, as you go up the site, is to your uh, right hand side. It's just above that to the left. So it'll be underneath the raised bit of the new cricket yeah. ground? Oh, right, I see. Okay. But I understand you've got a, a pond within the estate as well, though, isn't there? It's a balancing pond. It's, it's more or less for like, the rainwater and everything. It's coming from the development um, before yeah. it comes down into the actual... Oh, it's not have access to the public, then? The public won't have access to go and sit around it and... No, that's just the lake where they'll be able to do that. Right, that, in the Folly Park itself. Yeah. Okay. And if, um, with all these houses you're building... What are the facilities? You provide any facilities on the estate or around about? The only thing we are doing is a play there. area for children. Right. Yeah, play area is a little activity area. Um, it's going to be on the part of phase two, mm -hmm. um, up on the top part.
I understand you've got some uh, uh, MOD connections or, or you're doing some work in relation to the MOD. Can you tell me what that is? I mean, I understand uh, Lynham's closing. Is that having an impact on what you're doing? Oh, yes, very much so. Um, in fact, it's, it's brought an awful lot of interest over to Folly Park. And in the case of um, some of our houses here, they've been um, bought by the MOD to house the MOD. Um, and, of course, they're also interested in buying most privately right okay and uh, unfortunately at the moment um there's not enough houses at our bryce norton so um they're sort of sweeping the area to look where people can live really well as you can hear things are definitely on schedule there for continued growth of the housing development uh, behind park road uh, by Bloor homes and the current cricket ground will uh, possibly be start built and maybe uh, towards the end of this summer i think um, but the benefit, the, one of the main benefits uh, to the development down there, which was a condition of Bloor Homes getting permission to build there, was that they had to put money into, you may have heard the phrase Section 106. This is a, a section of planning uh, legislation whereby any new housing development or the developers have to actually put money into the infrastructure of the town to support it. Bear in mind that uh, they're responsible for bringing in new people into the town, which hopefully should be good financially and the economic development of the town, but with it uh, there are obviously demands on uh, on existing facilities. So they are uh, part and parcel, not just them, along with other grants and support by other organisations and people, uh, putting in development of the new cricket club and rugby club, possibly even the cricket, a tennis club in, in due course, if the tennis club uh, managed to persuade the planning authorities to let them build up there, and of course, new skate park as well. The continuing success of the sales of Bloor Hobes, although, albeit by the sounds of it, to uh, large sales to the Ministry of Defence, where they're selling uh, a number of houses on block there, it's perhaps uh, an indicator that, despite some people saying that uh, Farringdon is dying on its feet, um, there's still growth in the town and people are interested, which is probably one of the reasons, and let's be honest, one of the reasons why uh, two uh, supermarket companies are interested in buying into the town. They obviously see there's growth here and there's, uh, it's worthwhile development for them. Now, on a, uh, a more a smaller scale, but definitely interesting development for the town, is its own Farringdon Brewery. Farringdon now has its own brewery, been there since August last year down at the Swan Pub, which is in Park Road, which closed uh, for a few months. Uh, I suppose you could describe it uh, originally as a, a very old-fashioned sort of pub on the edge of town. Uh, closed down, reopened up, and uh, is now successfully going from strength to strength as Farringdon Brewery. And I managed to catch up with Sean Sampstead, who's the head brewer down there. And we've got a short snippet of that uh, interview with Sean, um, because the idea is uh, I got so much information and he described it so well I was very reluctant actually to edit it out because I thought it's very difficult what do I cut out here so I'm going to make a, a special program just about the Farringdon Brewery and that hopefully will be ready in a couple of weeks time but uh, here now just a, a short snippet with Sean down at the Farringdon Brewery when it goes down to sell another couple of weeks and then it'll come out and we'll start serving it mm -hmm. but I could leave it there Four weeks, five weeks, six sure. weeks, seven weeks, no yeah. problem. Yeah. So this other fermentation vessel here. Um, so in, in this room we've got four, we've got five, five tanks, five containers. Five tanks, yeah. And, and one says hot liquor on it. Hot it's, liquor is boiling water. Oh, that's all it is? Oh, so really? So hot liquor is your, is your hot water. Right, that's okay. That's what it's called with my measurements on the side, so I know how many litres I'm going through a process. And is that tap water or...? Yes, yeah, yeah. Just it's straight tap water. It, goes through, it obviously gets filtered as it comes in and goes through the yeah. processes. That's hot water. We boil it up, get it up to temperature. That then goes down to the next tub, which is the mash tun. Okay. Okay, so at the moment, that's full up. Mash tun? Mash tun. So it's, that? it's a tub. What's it's a mashing tub. You know? It's just you know, I, I uh, don't. But it's just something that's, that's always what, been there. Okay. At the moment, in there is all the is all the. I mean, I'll show you very briefly. Yeah. Looks okay. like, so um, that's all your that's all like your more porridge sort of. Yeah, it yeah. is effectively called it porridge. Yeah. Yeah. So what's happened? You've got just under thirty kilos of mixed barley's in there at the moment, mm -hmm. and that's going to make black swan mild. Black swan mild. Mild. Yeah. Which is on sale at the moment. I'm Tara Parker-Woolway, I'm a local artist, and I'm listening to Farringdon Radio. 
Well, as you can hear, uh, very enthusiastic uh, Sean is there about the work he's doing down there, running Farringdon Brewery. And as I said earlier, it'd be such a shame to edit any of that out. I got so much uh, material that uh, I say in a couple of weeks' time I will do a special show just about Farringdon Brewery, its success, and and how it operates. Right now, putting aside any discussions to do with the development of supermarkets in town, one particular flavour of the month is the development of a skate park, which has now got plenty of permission to be developed on the side of town, uh, part and parcel of the land to do with a cricket club and the rugby club. As you heard from our last show, our interview with Stuart, chairman of the Farringdon Cricket Club, uh, they put forward their points of views as to whether that's the right location for the for the development of uh, the skate park and uh, how that development is progressing. Um, but uh, as I said, I wanted to get hold of someone from Skate, and I did. I managed to get hold of Ruth, who's the chair of Skate, SK8, and uh, we've managed to get a few words from her uh, about what's happening and how the club is developing. Um, with uh, Ruth Mitchell, who's the chair of Farringdon Skate, and Trudy Godfrey, who's the uh, economic development officer from the Vale of White Horse, who's been helping out Skate to fund their new, uh, the new development here in Farringdon. Um, Ruth, if I could just uh, come to you first. Um, there's been some developments over, uh, over many years now, I believe it's been 20 years since Skate yeah. first got off the ground and uh, was trying to plan a, a new skate park. And it looks like maybe uh, this summer, or, or not too far beyond this summer, things are maybe coming to fruition. Can you tell us a bit about how, you know, how we got to where we are and what the current position is? Um, well, I became chair um, after, uh, I think we're, we're in a long line of committees, basically, that have been running for about 20 years. So um, it's been a really long awaited mm-hmm. uh, and really wished for part of Farringdon. Um, and finally, we're, um, we're, we seem to be getting there. The, the stumbling block has always really been getting an area of land that everyone sure. can agree on. So finally, we have got permission um, down off Sanford Road. So this is all going to be part of the same complex, same area as the cricket club yes. and the rugby club. And, uh, and if, the, the, if the tennis club get their way, hopefully the, yeah. possibly the tennis club as well. Yes, it's all, all part of um, a leisure cluster that was um, put in plans in, when was it truly, 2004? Yes. In, uh, for the 106 agreement. So it's something that Law Homes um, mm-hmm. had to agree to, to provide the land. And also they've agreed to provide a certain amount for upkeep, haven't they? Yes. Uh, but just sticking to that point about being 2004, mm. it's been open and above board and fully public that uh, the plans to have a skate park or aiming to have a skate park there yep. have been in the public domain since 2004. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Yeah. Skate have had outline planning consent since 2004. Great, okay. And throughout these uh, many years, you managed to raise some funds or, or promise of funds and grants sat there waiting. Yeah, How much we're talking about at the moment? Well, then? Um, over the years, obviously the um, previous committees who've done amazing work, you know, really mm-hmm. tried so hard and over the, you know, got the kids um, thinking a skate park was coming and then sure. one, one, it fell by the wayside, but they raised an amount of money. We've been given money by the town council, so it's good to know they're behind mm-hmm. us. Um, Lord Farringdon has given us some money. Oh, right, yes. And we've got a variety of um, grants which we've managed to secure. So all in all, we've just got just over £100,000. Oh, that sounds great. So we're looking very, at very what's happy. hopefully going to be a very good quality skate park. A fabulous skate park and something the kids deserve, finally, after all their waiting and all the parents waiting. Well, no, what is the demand? How many people do you think, you know, on a regular basis will be using the skate park? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. But, you know, the, the certainly the youth that uh, I know are, are so committed, mm. my son being one of them, of course, um, and this is a really serious, serious hobby, and it's a recognised sport. So sure. these kids really are taking it incredibly seriously. Um, and it's not just skateboarding; it's rollerblading, uh-huh. scootering, BMX, um, biking. Right. Also, one of my other okay. children is into. So I don't know um, really numbers, but we do seem to have quite a big. 
following and there's always a huge amount of support whenever we ask people about it so I think it's going to be a very well used and very well appreciated. Oh, that sounds good, sounds good. The um, One of the issues being raised as you were right I was chatting to the cricket club recently and uh, and they haven't been uh, in favour of this development uh -huh. and uh, obviously entitled to their point of view naturally and uh, have expressed their point of view. Um, can you just tell us a bit more about the layouts of, of the club, of the, the park itself, and uh, what impact, or from maybe from your perspective, what little impact that might have on, on the development up there? Um, well, I mean, it's actually perfect positioning for, for in many ways, um, it, as perfect as it's ever got in Farringdon. Um, so it's right down the bottom of Stanford Road on the entrance to the leisure cluster mm -hmm. area. Um, it will be very well positioned behind the cricket club uh, car park, which is sure. quite large. Uh -huh. uh, it's about 50 spaces and also behind their pavilion. So actually it's quite well screened from the actual playing area. Yeah. Um, and it's a very long way from the nearest houses. I, I mean, I estimate it's about 250 metres probably. Yes, yeah, like at least two fifty, three hundred metres from the nearest house. Okay, and looking at the plans, the way I, the way it uh, appears to be is if you if you're travelling down Stamford Road, you go into the entrance to this new leisure complex at the bottom near, near the mini roundabout, turn right into there. You would then have the A four twenty on your left hand side. You would have the bushes and the trees, and then the next thing would be uh, your new skate park, yes. uh, a footpath. And then the combination of being behind the uh, the pavilion and the car park, yes, and that's that's, that's right. the way the yes, layout is. Yes, yes. And is is all of this new skate park open flat on on the top, or is any of it concealed in any way, or protected, or sort of like a uh, a sound barrier built in in any kind, or well, or anything that would maybe give it some kind of buffer? Obviously, um, we have to consult the the youth to ask them what exactly they want, but we're hoping to have an element of um, uh, like a bowl which would be um, ramps dug into the ground mm -hmm. so they would be below the surface so in essence you wouldn't see them at all you obviously you'd see people standing at yes. the top <laughs> um, but they would be going down into the ground if you like right. there will probably be some element street element mm -hmm. um, you know drawing rails and things like that which will be on the level but again it depends what the, the kids actually ask for yeah and then of course we will have um, we're planning the 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 skate company we're using, Gravity, which are a very well-established company, and they've done, I think, 162 skate parks in Britain. So they're oh, right, oh, they're well-established, they know what they're doing then. And they are, are well used to, to landscaping and screening with trees and, you know, mm. making it really aesthetically pleasing as possible, okay. including things like um, colouring the pigment of the concrete to match the surrounding stones, or, you know, we could match them to the folly uh, what are those figures you know the, the sculptures. sculptures yeah so it could it, you know it'll be as pleasing as possible okay and, and I also think it's worth pointing out that skate still have to get detailed planning permission yes I know you've got outline yeah. plan for Shit Mill but you're looking but that doesn't quite meet your needs and you're hopefully trying to amend the, the the plan at the moment is that right well no it means that any final designs have to be approved by the Wales planning officer okay and that gives us scope to work with the cricket club and any other neighbors to put in screening natural right. screening or um to amend the design slightly and um, to use the finest grade of cement as well mm -hmm. to minimize <coughs> any noise um, you know, so there are ways, and um, skaters are very happy to work Absolutely. with the cricket club and anyone else to help overcome any fears that there might be. And how big is uh, the actual park going to be? I know you've got one size, but you're looking to just amend the, the layout a bit because it didn't. It, it, it was almost sort of a one way you have to get up and come back in again, and you want mm. to amend that size. What size is it going to? Is it now? Plan to be, and what size do you want it to be? Outline planning consent currently is at seven seven meters by twenty two meters, um, and Skate have recently submitted an application for a park that is about approximately double that, so three hundred and eighty square meters. But it's worth pointing out that that is is more than they're likely to need 
Mm. Because the plans had to take into account, they had to be square, whereas the facility is more likely to be narrow in some areas, mm. um, rounded in others. Right. So it's likely to be far less than 380 square metres, but because the plans had to be submitted um, that, that showed the, the total gross squared off area, sure. um, that's the maximum. That it won't be as big as that. Mm. Um, Okay. Obviously, because right. we've got such a lot, lot of lovely money to. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, we you want to make the make best of it, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. it's fantastic as well. I know, having uh, chatted to to Stuart from the Fountain Cricket Club, one of the issues that he was concerned about was that he didn't feel it perhaps fitted into the natural setting of a a rugby club and and a, and a cricket ground. It it perhaps felt it was more appropriate to be located somewhere else. Where else that would be is obviously difficult, but. Um, do you have a view on, on, on the fact that it is going to be up there as part of that overall new leisure complex? Um, well, it is an extremely common practice um, to site a skate park by some other form of sport. Um, and if you, you only have to look in the local area with, uh, say, Stamford in the Vale has a, a football club house, I believe, and a pitch and a basketball pitch, actually. Um, Letchlade has a cricket club, play area and football pitch and Grove is by a rugby club so it's it's very common and they seem to work together very well and hopefully mm -hmm. of course we may get some um, skateboarding cricketers possibly and that'd I be know, interesting I or, skate that, or, well, not, or possibly, cricketing skateboarders exactly. maybe exactly and of course the uh, cricket club are welcoming a youth team which is excellent news yeah. for the town and I know you've got outlying planning permission but by the sounds that there are still other things to be to be worked out and uh, you've already said you'd like to work with a cricket club but have you got any plans to do any more further consultation with the local community absolutely yes um young people skaters have to be consulted to finalize designs and skater hoping to start that process in mid-april um, and there will be posters around town i think we'll probably get a piece in the folly as well okay. i would imagine to advertise it and of course found.org yes and there is a facebook page set up right so anyone mm. who wants to be consulted and kept in touch should um should join the face group group Farringdon sk8 great okay well thanks very much for your time thanks very much to, uh, for speaking to us here on Farringdon radio and uh, uh, and good luck for the future. Thank you very much. Great. Okay. Hello, I'm Tracy from the Farringdon Coffee House. You're listening to Farringdon Radio. Well, irrelevant to whether you think the skate park should be in that particular location or not, it does sound like that after 20 years of hard work, the people from Skate are going to be uh, achieving some success in the not-too-distant future. And all that hard work and the finances they managed to pull together uh, is all going to come to fruition, and eventually they're going to have a wonderful new skate park for uh, all skateboarders and BMX bikes and uh, rollerbladers, etc. in the area. Hi, it's Jane from Farrington Lifestyle and Mobility. Just like to wish every success to Farrington Radio. Now, before we go to our last uh, section, which will be uh, chatting to Stuart Vocht from Mustard Seed, I'm just going to do a roundup of what's going to be going on in and around the Farrington area in the next couple of weeks. And as I say, if anybody out there has got something they'd like me to promote, uh, an event they're organising, or a sort of fundraising uh, idea they're trying to get off the ground, um, we'd love to hear from you, we'll promote you, let everybody know what's going on. In particular, anybody who's in any bands there, any local bands or artists, mu musicians, that uh, got some of their original material, we'd love to hear from you and uh, we're uh, very happy to play it here on Farringdon Radio. So, on Saturday the 2nd of April, we've got the NCT, we're going to be having their annual NCT sale where uh, you can uh, take your stuff along and the NCT will sell it for you. You do have to contact them uh, ahead of the game and submit a form selling what it is you would like to be sold. Uh, if you contact uh, nct.org.uk stroke Farringdon, there'll be a form you can download there and they'll uh, make sure that they uh, sell your stuff for you. And it's at the junior school on Saturday the 2nd of April at 10.15 to 11.30. On Sunday the 3rd, with the first time, I think it's the first time, the Folly Tower will be open this year, which I suppose means the first time 
it will have opened since they've had all that work done. I think they've spent something like £100,000 renovating and doing some maintenance work up there. And that's going to be open on Sunday the 3rd between 11 and 5pm. And that's £2 for adults. Forgot the price for children. I think it might be 50 pence. Don't quote me on that, please. And also on the 3rd will be uh, the 15-minute club at the Red Lion. If you turn up at 7.30, uh, track down David Reynolds if you don't know him. And uh, take, he'll give you a neck, give him your name, and he'll put you down. And you can have a 15-minute slot, your little chance of fame. But uh, it's always worthwhile going down there. There's always some interesting acts far and wide. And on Thursday at the 7th, there will be the folk session at the Swan, which is the first Thursday every month. That's the Swan pub. Uh, well, we were chatting, that's it, chatting about the earlier, weren't we? We've got the Farringdon Brewery down in Park Road. And ooh, one have missed here. Uh, just going back again, on the 30th of March, Cast On Knitting Group now meets in the light and airy restaurant of the Horse and Jockey at Stamford in the Vale from 7pm every second and last Wednesday of the month. And if you're not into knitting but into crochet, you're more than welcome to join them as well and bring along your current project or something new and you're quite, uh, it'll be a warm welcome to you from Ruth the Organiser. You can contact them at Cast On, C A S. T-O-N at thelittleknittingcompany.co.uk I say a very warm welcome to you there from the Cast On Knitting Group. Now, if there was somebody in town who perhaps was going to win a trophy for wearing the most number of hats in town for the number of organisations that he's involved with, then I think definitely Sheward Vocht would be one of those people who would be a candidate for such a prize. Um, today, I'm just going to be talking to him, or just going to be going to a recorded interview with Sheward about Mustard Seed, which is now approaching 25 years operating in town. Most or many people perhaps uh, walk past it and look into there and think of it as a shop uh, with uh, faith and religious connections. But the fair trade side of the work and the business that uh, operates in there is uh, equally as important and as everything else in relation to the faith and uh, religious side of the work. So uh, if we now go to the interview with the Sheward, you find out a little bit more about Mustard Seed. I'm sat here chatting to Sheward Vott, who's the chairman of Mustard Seed, as well as uh, been involved in many other things in town, including uh, Foskills, and also many people may know him as the town crier. Um, it's uh, 25 years, I'll come up to 25 years now, that Mustard Seed have been operating in town. Could you just tell us a little bit about the, the background and how Mustard Seed got off the ground? Sure. Um, as you say, 25 years, 1986, we first opened the doors of the Mustard Seed. Um, it's actually got two functions in the town. One is the promotion of the Christian faith through books, literature, action, and then also, of course, the fair trade element. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, fair trade started in Farringdon five years previous to that, long before um, it was actually something that the public were really aware of. Oh, that's interesting. I thought it was the, the way around. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. In fact, it was really uh, before that, early 80s, um, it was fair trade goods being sold. Yeah, I'm being playful now, but uh, mm -hmm. from uh, someone the back of someone's boot almost, mm -hmm. and this was mm -hmm. church sales and so on and so forth. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it was an act of faith really that led us to open a shop with all the fixed costs that that entailed. Sure. Um, but certainly, it's an act of faith that paid off because, of course, in 1991, the fair trade or uh, foundation was set up. You had the fair trade logo that was created and so on and so forth. So we were ahead of the game in that sense. Um, as you're possibly aware also, Farringdon in 2004 became uh, the first fair trade town in the southeast of England. Yes, um, I'm aware of that, yeah. But just going back to the, the mustard seed, what is the purpose behind it? And who, I mean, it's, it's uh, organised with a faith background. Who's part and part of it? Who's the organisation behind it then, effectively? Um, yeah, well, just to, to answer your question in a slightly sideways mm -hmm. way, I think... Uh, um, uh, communities um, should be judged on the way that they treat the least fortunate, uh, whether that's elderly people or disadvantaged people in other ways, mm -hmm. poorer people and so on, and not 
just within their own community, but of course also in the wider world. And this is, of course, where fair trade comes in, um, because clearly the international trading systems, in, in the way that they exist mm -hmm. largely, um, are very definitely not fair in the sense that it's always lowest price that wins and mm. therefore the guy at the bottom of the heap very often, in fact, is selling us goods that keeps us uh, you know, living a very high standard of living. Mm -hmm. uh, but he himself, at the other end of the scale, is possibly making a loss and is not able to feed his family and so on and so forth. So sure. fair okay. trade tries yeah. to put that right and tries to pay the guy at the bottom of the heap mm -hmm. a fair price for the goods that they are supplying us with. So that's the principle really behind okay. fair trade. Sure. And, uh, uh, and of course, that's something that in the early days uh, did take a little bit of time to kind of take off. Now, of course, fair trade goods are mainstream and you mm -hmm. can get them in all the major supermarkets, which is absolutely fantastic. And right. that, yeah. in a sense, is very much symbolic of what the mustard seed set out to do in 1986. Because Yes, the, the, the image of a mustard seed, and you may uh, possibly be slightly familiar with some of the Bible references mm -hmm. to mustard seed. One, that it's extremely small. Two, that it turns into quite a large tree. Mm -hmm. Three, you've got uh, phrases, for, uh, the biblical phrases such as, um, if you have but the faith of a grain of mustard, then you can move mountains. This kind of thing, you can see that um, that it gives you a really strong image um, that really means something, that means, yes, we're out to kind of change the world, if you like, in our own small way, in our okay. own community, but it impacts the wider world as well, meaning fair trade. And the organisation, who, who's uh, involved with it? Does that mean the churches are all part of the running of it or involved with it oh, in some way? Sorry, I didn't uh, entirely answer yeah. your, <laughs> your question. Um, yes, uh, it was set up uh, entirely by the churches together in fact and I think we're very fortunate in mm -hmm. fact in that we do have churches who work very closely together another good mm -hmm. example of that is the family centre of course yeah. uh, but nonetheless it was set up as an act of faith with this dual purpose um, and that dual purpose is still absolutely what drives the mustard seed there's about 50 volunteers amazingly right, yeah, that actually okay keep it on the straight and narrow mm -hmm. with lots of different functions. You've got the window dressers group, you've got the people who do the warehouse stuff, you've got obviously the shop assistants sure. themselves, you've got people yeah. who get involved in you know, putting up new shelving or whatever it happens to be, but you really do have an awful lot of volunteers. One thing I should say is that when we became a fair trade town in 2004, we broke out of this kind of church only mm, uh, sure. rut I would call it um, uh, because it, it was a rut it was something that people associated the mustard seed with oh ah, hang on that's the churches isn't it yeah, and okay. that was possibly to some people uh, even slightly off-putting mm -hmm. but being a fair trade town I think every uh, uh, part of the community in a sense takes ownership of that, uh, is proud of that, mm. and wants to be part of that. And therefore they think, ah yes, fair trade, I've got to buy it, mm -hmm. it's my job to, I feel it's the right thing to do. They're more likely to also come into the mustard seed and feel comfortable coming into the mustard seed sure. okay. if there's fair trade goods that they can't get so in their supermarkets. everything's run by volunteers, um, does that mean any money made? Where's the where's the the profits or the, the go, where's it all go to? Is it a fundraising? Yeah. Is it yeah. basically a charity of fundraising? Uh, uh, we would function. We would prefer to uh, call ourselves a business first okay. and foremost, in the sense that there is a mustard seed limited, mm -hmm. and that has its uh, uh, profit and loss accounts and so on and so forth. And yes, uh, can of course in good years mm. make a healthy uh, surplus. Okay. The surplus is automatically and immediately transferred to the mustard seed charity and okay. then the charity does have um, the responsibility to uh, to divest of this uh, money mm. um, through donations to good causes uh, mostly 
they would be local uh, mm -hmm. within the community, if you like. But in a sense, it's uh, with 50 volunteers, clearly you're mm. going to hopefully be aware of the needs. That, that Can you think of what local uh, organisations or individuals have, have benefited from the finances generated? Yeah, there? well, in the early years, I did mention, for example, the Family Centre. Right, okay. uh, and in the early years, when it wasn't quite so well funded, mm. now... Uh, it receives quite good county council funding, for example, with, off the subject. But sure. nonetheless, in the early years, the mustard seed yeah. was one of the major contributors to uh, getting the family centre off the ground, for example. Okay. But other local groups would have been, for example, if uh, there was uh, the Holiday Bible Club was something that would happen once mm -hmm. a year. It still does, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Is supported by the mustard seed when it needs to be. Uh, groups such as, and they might be youngsters who are looking for money and therefore the mustard seed makes it work, it might be a scouts group, whatever it is. So okay. it's pretty much across the board okay. where that money actually goes to. And uh, obviously we're in the 25th year now of, of, mustard, of mustard seed. Uh, how are you going to be celebrating this great event we've got for 25 years? Okay, well, um, as we know, Farringdon has its challenges, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm talking in particular about the retail sector within the Farringdon marketplace and so on and so forth. What would be the most fantastic birthday present for the mustard seed is mm -hmm. if we have a really good year showing that people are really supporting us with their feet, mm -hmm. with their purses, uh, and, you know, that we have a role to play, that we continue to have a role to play. And, well, the good news is that so far in this financial year, we are 35% up on the previous financial year. Mm. Oh, that's good. And uh, that's yeah. extremely good. Especially the current climate. It's, uh, it's yeah. uh, going against the trend. So that's the best birthday present ever. But uh, on the 11th of June, and it happens to be a palindromic date, 11-6-11. Mm. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So easy to remember, 11-6-11. We, we've got a huge great party planned in the Corn Exchange. Mm -hmm. We'll, of course, have people who are going to come from outside who will help us celebrate, Head of mm. Fair Trade Foundation, for example, in London, someone from uh, Tradecraft, which is one of our main suppliers, for example. We've got a local author. Her book is also sold in the mustard seed, as it happens. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, uh, who's, who's also coming to be as part of the celebrations. But it's really to, for everyone to mm -hmm. say, hang on, we're now into a new generation, if you like, of mm -hmm. the mustard seed, assuming that each generation is 25 years, if you mm -hmm. like. Yeah. Do we still have relevance? Is what we're doing important for the next 25 years? So 11th of June, that's the celebration, but it's also very much looking forward, sure. looking now, yeah. uh, and looking back. Great. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Stuart. And uh, I'm sure I'll probably come back to you and talk about some of these other hats that you're wearing as well as, uh, as the months pass by in uh, Farringdon Radio. Great, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, John. Nice to talk to you. Well, there's a date to remember for the uh, this summer, 11th of June, in the Corn Exchange in Farringdon, where Mustard Sea will be having a celebrated birthday party in the Corn Exchange to celebrate 25 years of Mustard Seed operating in Farringdon, and uh, particularly their aspect of fair trade goods, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be continuing to support them. As we can see, they're... Uh, bucking the trend I don't know but definitely uh, ahead of the game in terms of uh, today's current financial climate where they seem to be doing rather well and as I say there we'll probably be coming back to uh, Stuart in due course chat about some of the other things involved with uh, in particular I'm interested in the Pink Pig Pink Pigeon Trust and that'd be might worth looking up if you google that Pink Pigeon Pink Pigeon Trust I'll get it out eventually I'm sure it's not a tongue twister really uh, that's a very interesting organisation, and I think we'll probably uh, make a show about that as well. So, anyway, that's the end of our second episode of Farringdon Local on Farringdon Radio. In uh, a week or so's time, hopefully we'll be having a special show just to do with the Farringdon Brewery. But, uh, as I say, if anybody wants to get in touch with us, uh, let us know what they're up to, what organisations they are involved with, uh, we'd very much like to hear from you. And we'd like to now end uh, today's last today's current show with a song from a, a local band called Mammoth and the Drum and it's a song called Extracts from My Brain Part 3 Do Replicants Cry?
After reading the book, every face in the street inspired me. Wild surprise, take a look at another book, it will astound you, confound you. Like a heartbroken truth and a sensitive lie, it lulled you and fooled you again and again, again and again. I return here where I am over and over and over again. I return here where I am. Rather refined inside my mind, but never inclined to touch the sky. The love is so exquisite, but the principle was never defined. You'll believe a replicant would never cry, except in a dream, again and again, again and again, I return. Dreams and yes, I do.